everybody, welcome to Naval Gazing Valley Indie Podcast. My name is Eugene Driscoll of valleyindy.org. That's an online newspaper covering Ansonia, Derby, and Seymour. I'm recording this on Tuesday, December 14th. The holidays are quickly approaching. Christmas is almost here. Before I introduce my guest, I just want to get a little housekeeping out of the way and read a message from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. It shouldn't be a surprise that when you pass away, none of your assets go with you. Whether or not you have a will, your assets will be distributed, sometimes not how you would like it. Why not make a plan? Your plan plan can include your favorite relatives, friends, and a nonprofit organization or two supporting causes you care about. Ask a trusted advisor about plan giving options. Plan for a gift that keeps on giving. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. All right. So that's that. Thank you very much, Valley Indy. Or no, I'm sorry, valleygivesback.org. And without further ado, I want to introduce an old veteran of the podcast, an old veteran of the Valley Indy office when we were in Ansonia, Mr. Derby, Mr. Sports History here in the lower Naugatuck Valley and beyond, Mike Kenichi. Hey, Gene. How you doing? Good to talk to you. What's going on, Mike? How the heck are you? I'm doing well. Um, how have you been? Um, I see you got the new offices now. Um, congratulations on that. Yeah, I haven't used it in like two years, but I do. I do pay rent. I'm paid up on my rent, but I haven't been to the office at all on Main Street in Seymour, a beautiful downtown Seymour. I'm uh, in the old bank building there. Uh, right. I think it was Birmingham Bank, and then it was a Bank of America. It's a cool. It's a. I mean, it's a smaller setup, but it was. It's good for what what I have right now, although just with COVID, you know, and I don't know if we've even, I know we, we exchanged messages, uh, but you know, I've just worked out of my basement <laughs> right now. I'm in a yeah. playroom dining room and it works just as well, but I do. Uh, I, I think I will still keep the office though. I just like to know it's there. And eventually I'll go back uh, because I don't know, I'm a total shut in at this point. Like you look like I can tell you're still, you're out, you're adjusted to life. You know what I mean? You're probably still exercising and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm falling apart, Mike, after after a couple of years of this COVID stuff. I don't know how much more of this it's I can never, take. It's a never-ending thing, man. I'll tell you. It really is. And uh, for anybody who may or may not know, I don't know how closely you follow like Valley Indie history. For, for like two or three years, Mike did the Valley Sports Rewind podcast here at valleyindie.org. Ton of guests. You know, I, I, I went and searched of uh, 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 Valley Sports Rewind on valleyindy.org today. And just like you did so many episodes there. It's a cool part of history. I'm proud that it happened. I mean, we did it. We didn't do it. Then COVID came. And then at the beginning of COVID, nobody could figure out at the very beginning how to do like, uh, you know, how to make your sound work. We were a little ahead of the game when it came yeah. to this online stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was an adjustment. Um, you know, I tried so many different things and I couldn't figure out how to, you know, I thought zoom, I could do a show, but I couldn't really, you know, you could only do it for 40 minutes. And, you know, I just, I tried different things. I tried go to meeting, nothing seemed to work. So it took me a while to kind of find something that uh, worked. So, you know, I could resurrect the, you know, shows. Yeah. And the reason Mike is on, cause I wanted to talk to him. He's been now 
doing a new program or a new channel, I guess, on YouTube, uh, Hometown Heroes, uh, which you have been doing for you had, you had been doing previously for a, a long time. Since uh, July of 2015. 2015. And like over the years, from what I remember, you would interview sort of a Valley sports legend sort of exclusively going through all yeah. the decades of uh, all the athletes from various high schools here in the Naugatuck Valley. <clears throat> but I was checking out the page last night. You've expanded this talk show now, Hometown Heroes, has really expanded its reach. Uh, so t- talk about it. How's it different from what you were doing before? And then I guess, where can people find it, first of all? Yeah, um, well, first off, you can find it on my YouTube page. It's Mike Kenichi. So, you know, all you got to do is type my name in and my page comes right up. You know, there's not anybody else that I know of with that name. You know, so if you type my name, you'll see my shows. I have two shows I do now. I do a weekly show called In the Spotlight, which I started doing back in uh, May of uh, 2021. And of course, I have the Hometown Heroes one which is just a continue a continuation of, you know, when I did it at Comcast studios, but unfortunately Comcast isn't going to be open. I think maybe the earliest might be February. So I felt like the shows had to move on and, you know, I didn't want to wait any longer. We'd almost been out for two years. So I just, I talked to Melissa Leonard and she got me in this new program and it's really worked. It's really worked out a lot. You're doing it on StreamYard, right? And the, the, the other big. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, thing is with StreamYard, it's really easy. I mean, you know, basically you, you go to StreamYard.com, you type in your email address, they send you the link. Then you uh, go back to StreamYard. You put, you put the code in that they give you and then you're in and then you could invite, I, I, you could have up to nine guests counting yourself. That would be 10. So that StreamYard gives you the ability to just do so many things. And that's been the best thing about it is I wouldn't get some of the guests I've got on recently without this new format. Yeah. And let's talk about that for a second. Cause I remember you, we had exchanged messages a while back. You had one of the dude from Hat, one of the dudes from happy days on, right. Talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Donnie most who played Ralph mouth, who was my favorite character on the show. You know, it's kind of funny how that came about because Wait, I'm going to interrupt you for a second there, Mike, because you're yeah. I think you're I'm 47. Right. I graduated high school. Yeah. I'm 45. Yeah. You're two years younger than me. I kind of like I, I have like vague memories of of happy days when it was like ending, I guess, its original run, because I think it's primarily a 70s show. Right. How did it you ended become in, uh, it ended in 1984 in 84? OK, yeah. So how did you develop this uh, like real fondness for, of all things, happy days? Well, as you know, Gene, when we were kids, there was no, we had, I don't know what your TV was like because you grew up in New York. But when I was in the Valley, you had what was called 1A, I think 1A and 1B. And you flipped it, you know, if you wanted to watch the B side of TV, you flipped to the B switch. If you wanted to watch the A side, you switched to the A switch. So there wasn't many things to watch when you were a kid, but they always had reruns of Happy Days. And my uh, father was a big Happy Days fan. You know, my father grew up as a kid in the 50s. And of course, he went to high school in the 60s. So watching that show was like, you know, reliving his childhood. So he was a big fan from day one. And he, he got me into it. You know, we'd watch it. I'd watch reruns. And then 
when it was on ABC, I think it was on Tuesday nights at eight o'clock on ABC, I would watch it. So he really got me into it. And I just, I remember being like a seventh grader, maybe the summer of my going into my eighth grade year reruns were on like three times a day and, you know, I would watch them. So that's how I kind of really loved it. And so how did you target, uh, what's his name? Donnie most. Is that what yeah. Uh, who played Ralph Mouth? If you know Ralph anything Mouth. about the Ralph Mouth character, he was, you know, he was like the comedian, the comedian of the show. You know, he's always trying to crack a joke, and he was kind of like that. I said it when I interviewed him. He was like that reluctant hero because he was really like, you know, the kind of I kind of compare him to the Lion and the Wizard of Oz. He was always kind of afraid, but you know, the Fonzie character always had to kind of give him that kick he needed to do stuff. But um, I just emailed him, Eugene, and then ironically I didn't hear back for a while and then out of nowhere he wrote back to me and he just said to me you know sorry I didn't get back to you soon enough I was really busy I've had a busy schedule the last several months so you know credit him because what a great guy because here I am I'm not really anything big at all and he had the decency to write me back and he literally wrote me back on a Saturday afternoon and we did the interview that Thursday. So he didn't even make me wait. We did it right away. Yeah. It's sort of interesting, I guess, not to turn this into happy days thing, but why not? I mean, and people could, should go watch the, the interview Mike did with him on Mike Knietzsche's. Now was that, home, that obviously wasn't hometown heroes. That was your in the spotlight. No, it, I, it or, was hometown heroes okay. because, you know, I just, to me, like I, that was my main show. So even though like it may not have revolved around him and his hometown to me, I just put it on there because you know, I just thought that would be the right thing. The to established do. brand, baby. Well, that's the thing about podcasts, because I did one on the weekends and we called it Mobile Horror Compa- Companion. Excuse me, I'm a little yeah. clamped. And so we would talk about horror movies. And I did it with like a screenwriter and then a guy who does horror movie makeup, you know, for like, I mean, he worked on like all the Netflix shows and all that. Uh, but after a while, we're like, we don't want to talk about horror movies. You know what I mean? And I th- now that I'm like sort of a student of podcasts, they, everybody does that. Nobody just sticks to that one uh, uh, topic because it's just, it's just you know, it, it, it lacks creativity after a while. But my question, all right, so it was Ralph Malf, right? And who was the other guy? Who, he, was, was it uh, Potsy? Was that the, his buddy? Yeah, that was his buddy because originally Happy Days was to revolve around two friends, Richie Cunningham and Potsy Weber. But what happened was, they had decent ratings the first year and um, you know, they kind of had the Fonzie character as a guest star. He wasn't a main character yet. And then season two, for whatever reason, their ratings really weren't that good, but they were kind of implementing both Fonzie and Ralph into the main cast more. But by season three, they realized Fonzie had to be the focal point of this show. So they had him move in upstairs from the Cunninghams, him and Richie became the best friends. So I, I, I said this to Donnie on the show. I really credit Anson Williams because it's never easy when you're supposed to be one of the main characters and you kind of have to take a little more of a supporting role when you were originally supposed to be one of the starring roles. So I, I give him credit for that. But that's how it, you know, originated. Like the whole show was based on the nostalgia and the critical claim and the popularity of uh american graffiti the george lucas movie that's yeah. happy days was was sort of born from that but i remember Which like Ronnie C- howard was in 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's like if you right. watch Happy Days, if you're like about our age, you see the show first. The movie's so different; it's a little jarring because it's not like Fonzie, you know, yeah. uh, going over a shark or whatever. But, but weren't wasn't like Ralph Mouth, and I'll just call him by his character. No disrespect to him because I, I have a bad memory. Donnie Most, he was sort of typecast after. Didn't he have like a problems getting work? Oh like yeah, him? yeah. See, the problem is, and you know, Ken Osmond from Leave It to Beaver went through the same thing. Sometimes you play a character so well that it's hard for people to look at you as anything else. Like I always look at the kid, Jaleel, I think Jaleel White, who played Steve Urkel. Could you really, I mean, that poor guy, I don't think he could ever do anything again and be as successful because people are always just going to, you know, identify him as Urkel, you know? So in one sense, it's great because you've made this iconic character that'll last forever. But in the other sense, you know, you're trying to, you know, do different roles and it's tough sometimes because people just look at you in that one role. And, you know, you've seen other guys who have kind of been able to, you know, they've been more successful with that. Like Ted Danson, he played three different characters throughout his life, you know, in sitcoms, Tom Selleck is doing it right now. So some people can, but then there's just some people that, you know, the problem I think with Kenny Osmond is, is he just looks like Eddie Haskell so much because he played that character that he just was never able to, you know, really do anything else. It's hard. It's hard for the public to see him, and I guess casting agents to see him yeah. any other other than that character. It's like it, it, they embody it. It's a weird sort of magic that happens. Uh, all right, so you have like the, the this new incarnation of hometown heroes, and in the spotlight. In the spotlight was the name of the other show you. Yeah, said? that that one so, I try to do more towards like younger athletes, you know, coaches, stuff like that. You know, to kind of give them recognition. I try to make the hometown heroes one more about people like, you know, who've kind of impacted their community, stuff like that. It doesn't necessarily have to be sports, but, you know, sports is kind of the theme around it, but, uh, that's the anchor, right? Yeah. yeah. The in the spotlight one is just a way of me being able to do a weekly show for people that we could put on a guest, you know, because hometown heroes, you know, with editing and everything, sometimes that takes a month to do. So I can't air them weekly. So this one, I still going to Comcast. No, um, I have a great, yeah, I have a great producer and I tell you, this kid is a genius. I met him when he was 15 years old. His name is Michael Jones. And I think he's a senior at Hamden Hall High School. This kid is phenomenal. I've never seen anybody as just gifted as he is with technology. He edits my shows with me. Literally, it takes us maybe 50 minutes at the most to do him. He is just a phenomenal talent. I mean, the kid is going to go places in life. And I I could see this kid someday. I really believe this. He's going to be like in the video game business, doing something with video games and making a ton of money. It is crazy. One thing that's sort of scary to me is how good, uh, I mean, I have two kids, but how, uh, you know, the kids, and this is just a cliche and everybody knows this, so I won't belabor the point, but how young people today, this is all just coming naturally, grow up with learning how to edit and how to communicate with the, you know, I mean, YouTube itself, all the people that are on there, uh, where I'm sitting there stumbling, making sure my like levels are correct here, how it's now uh, just such a thing, you know, it, it's kind of exciting. And it's good to hear that because like the last couple of days, I don't know exactly when I'll post this, but I've been just writing nonstop about like kids charged with threatening and this kid's charged with threatening. And it gets like, it's important to note that like, I don't believe that like kids today are bad. I refuse to, uh, to sort of uh, get into that uh, argument. So uh, it's glad to hear, I'm, I'm glad yeah, to hear no. that. 
kids are doing well, you know? Yeah. I had a, I had a high school kid on the hometown heroes show and I just aired it a few days ago and, you know, she goes to Massac high school and just a phenomenal kid, you know, she's been through some tough times, but she's overcome them. You know, she's doing great things with grades, cheerleading, coaching and stuff like that. So, you know, this idea that today's kids are, are not good kids. That's not true at all. You know, like any, I think social media, you kind of see more of the bad ones maybe than you did in years past. And I don't think there's necessarily a bad kid. I just think kids make some bad decisions sometimes, but there are still, you know, wonderful kids out there. So when people say that, you know, that is very unfair because that's not true at all. Yeah, it is. And I've been thinking about this all week, not to go off on a tangent. So, but, but yeah, it's like you make a mistake at 14 or 15 now it's going to be publicized because everything happens yeah. and because you're probably making the mistake. You don't think as, as, as a kid whose mind isn't fully developed that when you're putting something on social media, that it is public. I mean, I've had issues in my own house with my own kids about things they've posted and you have to sit down. Like you think it's just your bubble seeing this, but you one don't know how it's going to be interpreted and two uh, it's going out to the entire world and three it's permanent. So yeah, yeah I, I don't know. You know I, I've been thinking about we were- that a lot. When we were kids, if you remember, you know, we didn't have all this stuff. So what did we do? We made prank calls. That was, you know, our mischief. You know, they just have more access to stuff. And it's like you said, they don't. You can now hear my daughter yelling in the background, by the way. (laughs) Go ahead. They don't uh, realize the, you know, impact it has because nowadays, you know, if that stuff gets online, like you said, then you could, you know, you could get in a lot of trouble. But I mean, when we were kids, we did stupid things, too. We just didn't have the access that they have now. We used to just make prank calls or we might, you know, you know, do mischief in the neighborhood, stuff like that. So I just think like, you know, that that's why I don't believe that there's bad kids. I just believe that sometimes like anything else and adults do it too, but just sometimes they make bad choices. That's all. Yeah. I, I remember like as a kid, bomb threats and things like that were would happen yeah. fairly regularly at like, like schools when I was in high school. But I'm questioning. I don't really remember. Like, I don't. Who knows if the police? I mean, were even involved in those days. I'm not sure the schools in like 1988 were calling up uh, the police when they'd get a bomb threat. It's like you'd have the fire department come in and walk around, and then you just go back to class. But it's obviously it's a complete. I'm not. I don't mean to 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 uh, diminish the, the yeah. seriousness of this stuff, but it's a completely different world we're we're living in uh, now. Obviously. Um, so anyway, back to the to, to the topic at hand, Mike. How many? I was I was shocked and amazed but i know your work ethic is is pretty insane you're doing this show a lot how many episodes have you done how often do you post you know i like i said so since may i've been you know okay i've been doing the in the spotlights a lot sometimes i might do three of them in one week if the guests could get on i'll do you know three in one week and then i'll air them once a week so you know i'd have to go back and look but i would say the in the spotlights there's probably probably in the thirties already. And then the hometown hero was between what I've done at Comcast and what I've been doing recently. I would say we're, if we're not at the hundreds yet, we're, we're close. So, I mean, we've done, you know, I've done a lot of them and uh, you know, but the thing is, yeah, it's, it's work sometimes, but it's a labor of love. So when you have guests on and they make it so easy for you, you don't ever look at it as really work. It's fun. Yeah, I, I saw one. I think you had a guy named Shay on, last name Shay. I didn't, I didn't catch his first yeah, name. Well, he actually entered Dan Shay, yes. 
He okay. actually interviewed me. He wanted to interview me because he told I, me, you know, that he felt like I have given so much back. He wanted to give something back to me, which was very nice to do. He's on our Hall of Fame committee. Um, I've known him forever. And I mean, you know, you talk about people who don't ever do anybody wrong. He is like a real great friend, too. And he would, you know, do anything for anybody. I liked how conversational it was. Like you could tell there's something about podcasts when two people know each other and just engage. Yeah. And I don't even know if you call it a pod. I'm calling it a podcast. Sorry, but it's a talk no, show. It's fine. Where, it's fine. Yeah. Where two people just have a conversation that's not necessarily heavily formatted or structured in a certain way. I mean, that can drive certain people crazy. Some people don't like it. You know, like I keep rambling about going from subject to subject that drives some people nuts. But I really like that episode because you guys are familiar with each other and it was like, you know, you're just listening to a conversation between two friends and yeah. uh, and then just, you know, you're talking about stuff that is just cool to listen to as somebody who didn't like grow up here as no, uh, you know, firsthand knowledge of anything you're talking about. I still found it compelling. How about uh, and you talked about this. So I'm just going to rip off Dan Shea. Oh, he's not an attorney, is he? He's not going to sue me for uh, no. <laughs> like intellectual property theft. But he asked you a lot of good questions. He was talking about like what's what was your like sort of favorite interview? But I'll just ask of this new batch that you started in May, like the, since the COVID era and, uh, and this version of Hometown Heroes and in the spotlight, was there a guest or an episode that you're particularly uh, proud of? Well, I mean, of course, the Don Most one. And, you know, because when you really think about it, that was like, in a lot of ways, an impossible interview to get. You know, he's a guy who's been in Hollywood since probably the early 70s, and he's still doing film. He's still doing stuff. So, I mean, you, you can't help but be proud at that at that one, because, I mean, that was just something I really, really wanted to get, you know, and, you know, I was I sometimes you really have to work hard to do this stuff. You got to be disappointed. Sometimes some people are going to tell you no, because I've had some people tell me no. But that one, you know, I was obviously really proud of. Um, you know, the like I said, the one I had with uh, Amory Field recently, I mean. I was proud of that one because, you know, again, you want to recognize Massac, the Massac high school athlete you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you want to really recognize those young kids who do a lot because, you know, they give up a lot of their time and, you know, she did a great job. I mean, she really did for a 16 year old kid. She handled herself great. And I really, really enjoyed that one. And then I would say, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think there was one I did in the summer. I got to really think about it, but I really enjoyed, um, you know, uh, who was it? I think I had a, oh, when I had uh, Ken Pereira's and his softball players on after they won the championship and stuff, you know, it was a lot of fun because they were talking to each other and I kind of got to just kind of eavesdrop while they had a conversation about their great season. And that's the thing too. I love it when I can ask questions, but then I could kind of just sit back and w listen while they tell the story. That makes it really rewarding. Right. Yeah. And I apologize again. Like I said, I'm in my living room. So apparently my oh, son's having a meltdown at something. I don't know. Jack, something go wrong at Fortnite. What do you, I don't know what's going on, but uh, <laughs> you know, these, uh, these, these kids today. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a fan. So I'm glad to see that uh, it's, you know, it's endured uh, your talk show, uh, despite of all the challenges. Uh, hey, what's, what about one that went wrong? Have you ever, have you ever had, I mean, I've done interviews with people uh, for the Valley Indy and uh, for other places I've worked where my classic one, 
and I'm sorry to say it's happened more than once where the tape recorder doesn't work and you get back and you realize you have no tape. I mean, I did something, I interviewed uh, the star of Clerks, whose name escapes me at the moment, the guy who played Dante. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I interviewed him at like midnight at a horror convention, right? He agreed to do it. We yeah. met in like the, uh, you know, the hotel, uh, uh, not the lobby, but a little like cafeteria uh, area. And then like the next day, I hadn't taped a word of it. I had never, you know, it was a whatever malfunction. So have you had uh, any of those stories? Well, I could tell you a couple, you know, I think one, if you listen to the interview with Dan Shea, I mentioned with Charlie Desenzo, where we thought we lost the interview on part two. And he had done such a great job on that part two interview that I kid you not, he agreed to reshoot, but it wasn't going to capture the same moment. And I was really devastated. And I was just like, so embarrassed, number one, that it got lost. But fortunately, by, you know, fate, it stayed on Melissa Leonard's computer. It was in her recycle thing, and we were able to restore it. So we got very lucky there. Now, I'll tell you a good story. I had, and this is another person I forgot to mention, but I really enjoyed having her on the show, too, was uh, Derby. She was a sophomore at the time, Leah Lovington. She's very good at track and has been cheerleading forever. I did an interview with her. And what happened there was she was having a lot of Wi-Fi issues and every now and then, like it was freezing a little bit. And when we got done, I said, God, I don't know if I could air this because her thing froze a lot. And then I was still new to like StreamYard. I think she was like my third guest. So I accidentally cleared the interview. So I lost it. So I said to her, Leah, I accidentally deleted it. Can, would you be able to do it again right now? And she agreed. And we did an hour. And there was no problems at all. Her Wi-Fi was better. So that was a blessing because we were able to, you know, do that without any issues. And then um, not too long ago, I interviewed the Shelton football coach. Um, what was his name? Matt DeFelice or Mike DeFelice. Mike and when I interviewed Mike, he was having a lot of Wi-Fi issues because he was outside. So I asked oh, him later on, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, Mike, we can't do this one because it's just it didn't come out good. Would you be able to shoot it again? Yeah. yeah. So oh, luckily yeah. Oh, I've been I'm having heart palpitations because I've been through yeah. all these things. It's like, Oh, but I'm going to tell you right now, like, you know, when you bring up the Donnie most one, and of course I was able to interview Chris, Mad Dog Russo. I prayed and prayed that everything would go right in those interviews because that would have really crushed me like to be able to get somebody like them on. And then something goes wrong with the video or the audio or whatever. So, you know, I just kept thinking to myself, let's get through this. Cause like it was going so smooth and those ones make you nervous. Cause you really don't ever want anything to happen. Cause those are one-time things. So you know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so I, I just, I'm thinking back to the times we tried it and we seemed to be cursed for a while that we would have a third yeah. person and they were like, they well, were, we know, did that Wi-Fi. Yeah. We did the I one guy. Remember. Davis, Bill Davis, I think okay. and we interviewed him twice and both times. Oh, it, so, you know, I got to get in touch with him because now I could actually interview him again and everything should go well. But for whatever reason, I felt bad. The guy came from Waterbury and both times he came, it just, the thing just didn't tape right. And, you know, he was very good about it. He was understanding. He knows that that stuff could happen. But, it, you know, you do feel bad because they did come and do the interview and twice, you know, what are their chances? So hopefully right, third yeah. time is a charm. 
I remember one time I uh, I was at the Patent Trader. It was a weekly newspaper where I started in like 1999, and uh, you know, Patent Trader covered like Mount Kisco, New York, Chappaqua, Bedford, New York. So you get some of like the fan, like DMX, uh, lived in the area, yeah. and Stephen Lang lived in Bedford. The guy from Avatar and uh, Tombstone, you know. And I got an interview. I went to his house and I interviewed him, and it all went great. He was doing a uh, uh, I think he was doing a Broadway play and Quentin Tarantino was in it. It was a whole thing. Um, it was that Audrey Hepburn thriller about the blind woman whose the name escapes me, something afraid of the dark or something like that. I can't remember. But anyway, after I wrote the whole story, I handed it in and my editor, for whatever reason, at the weekly newspaper, our style was to, you couldn't say like, uh, you know, Mike said, it had to be like Mr. Kenichi said, it had to have the word yeah. Mr. in that. And so like they went in before they published and they just put the word Mr. before his last name and every uh -oh, reference okay. in the article. And it just is like, you know, not to be like a diva writer, but it completely threw off the whole flow of the article. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like so embarrassed. And then the photo we used, I took a photo and it was before digital cameras. And I had like, you know, it was like a point and click that you drop into like the yeah. barrel. And it was just, it was just like him really close up. And he actually like wrote me a note being like, really? That's the photo you used? And I, I just felt, I felt so bad, you know? So and I got run out of Mount Kisco, New York. And, and that was that. But the other thing I wanted to ask you, Mike, you know, like when the Valley Indy first launched, we covered sports uh, to the extent that we could. You know, I had a $30,000 freelance budget and I used it off our initial grant. When we are, our first grant was like $250,000 a year where we were, uh, uh, you know, we have, we don't have that anymore. But that first two years, that's our three years, that's what we had. Uh, thanks to the Knight Foundation, the Valley Community Foundation, the Online Journalism Project. Uh but, you know, so it was we thought it was important to, to, to cover sports and we, we spent a lot of money and, and, and resources covering uh, football, which I look back. I'm like, hey, you know what? It was already being covered. That was a that was a mistake. But to hear this year that the young the Derby football team, because they had so many young players, couldn't complete their uh, varsity season. How did that strike you as a, a Derby native and sort of an unofficial historian at this point? Uh, and the person who's keeping the, 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 the glory days and beyond of Derby football alive, how did that hit you? You know, it, it was upsetting, obviously, and it was disappointing. And, you know, I think the thing you're disappointed for more than anything else is, you know, you, you feel for all the players who, you know, played all so many years and, you know, gave, gave their heart to Derby football. And you feel bad for those longtime fans, you know, like, my father and obviously is Bill Pucci and guys like that who went to games forever since they were, you know, teenagers, you feel bad because they always enjoy going to those games. You feel bad for fans, you know, obviously, you know, but with that said, I, I do feel like that these boys gave all they could really give this year, because I mean, it's not easy when you're a freshman and sophomore and you have to play varsity when maybe you're not ready to play varsity yet but you have to do it you know to fill the team and stuff and that's not an easy thing to do so I mean I really do applaud them you know and really tip my cap to them that they went out there and gave it everything they could and unfortunately I know they didn't finish the season but you know you don't want to be getting people hurt either and you know these kids were playing with injuries too so I I, I really do applaud them for that. 
Yeah. And was the reaction, uh, I mean, I just linked to different things, uh, but I was, I always get, even with these things going on in the schools about, uh, you know, people, allegedly young kids making threats, you know, and then it, it happens, you, you write the story, you put it online, and then it goes into the, like the public sphere where people may, they go at it sometimes. And then you sometimes it's like, well, why would you have to say that in public? And I, sometimes I question the value even uh, giving of the whole comment section sometimes, because I feel like it doesn't add anything, particularly when it involves young people, you know? So was there any reaction? Did, did people go nuts on Facebook, I guess, to make a you know, very long I, question short? Were there I any mean, knuckleheads? You always get a couple of that, you know, will say this is a, you know, disgrace or this is that. But I, I will say that I think most people understood that this was just a very difficult situation. And their last, they were going to, I think they had five games left, maybe four, but I, I want to say five. I think they were own five when they shut the season down. And I think they still had to play Seymour, Ansonia, and Shelton, and Gilbert for that matter. And all four of those teams made the playoffs. So you're talking about a team who's, you know, starting freshmen and sophomores, majority of them, they did start a couple of seniors, you know, I think a few juniors, but it was mainly freshmen and sophomore. And you're asking them to go out there, you know, play these next four games against, you know, four teams that are, you know, have a shot at the playoffs and obviously all four made it. So like, you know, I, I understood why they had to do it. And, you know, to their credit, I think they still went to practice. I think they played some JV games. I know they played Ansonia's like freshman and sophomore team. So they definitely finished the season, even though they didn't finish the varsity season, they still finished the season. And, you know, I, I thought in the end that was the right way to go because, you know, they can build on that from next year. They really can. So I don't, I don't think the fans were as ticked off as, you know, maybe they might've been 10 years ago. And, and, and again, I didn't follow it closely, but I thought it was nice to see, I think it was like WFSB. One of the TV stations came down like twice yeah, to sort of uh, cover. Okay. It's not happening part of it, but uh, there was some uplifting story about maybe it was how they still played Ansonia in a scrimmage. So I don't really remember, but it was nice yeah, to they, see the TV come back and acknowledge that. Uh, they played, uh, like I said, they played Ansonia's freshman and sophomore team. I think they beat them as well. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and hey. Think, yeah. So they did defeat them, which I think that was great for those kids. They, you know, that's something they could definitely look at as a big positive for them this year, you know, doing that. But I think, you know, think about this. Okay. I'll just think back when I was a freshman in high school, or I'll even say as a sophomore in high school, I wasn't even necessarily ready to play freshman football or even play, you know, JV football. I'm still learning the game and stuff. And you've got kids that were on this team this year that are just learning. Some of them are just learning the game really. And they had to go out there and they had to start oh. and play varsity. That's not an easy thing to do. I mean, that's I, hard to do. I would yeah. have quit like day one. I would have been, forget this. This is not, but yeah. yeah, hats off to those kids. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I really do give them credit and they actually had a banquet the other day for the kids. And I really thought that they, you know, the committee for that banquet did a great job and, you know, really, you know, acknowledge those kids and coaches for their efforts this year. 
That's cool. And I guess like the last thing I'll, uh, my, my kids are really acting up. I'm going to have to help my wife put them to bed. Uh, so I apologize, but, yeah. and, and actually my cat is now begging for food at my feet here. I really got to go to that office and see more there. <laughs> uh, but like I, now there's a, I, you know, we have a new board member of the board of aldermen uh, on the city of Derby. And I was sort of like during the, the, the appointed uh, Kevin Sharkey last week. And it's, I guess I had yeah. Sonia and Sonia high school graduate. He was a standout uh when he was a player there and then i saw he was one of the guests on your the new iteration of, of hometown heroes which i yes. uh, found useful and i have been and i have been trying to get him for about five years i couldn't get the right number for him every number i had was never the right one so finally no kidding. he was I clearly trying right. to avoid you you're saying i know no that no way. no you know and let me tell you about him eugene um obviously when he played for ansonia you're trained to dislike him because he played for Ansonia and he was a tremendous football player. I've said this many times. He's one of the best high school football players I've ever watched, but let me just tell you what a terrific human being he is. He is one of the nicest people you will ever meet and he would do anything for anybody. And to me, him being on the board of Alderman is great for Derby because he will do right by the people in Derby. He will do right for what's right for Derby. And, you know, I was really pulling for him to get on the Alderman when he ran. You know, I really was hoping to get in. But now I'm glad that he's going to get an opportunity because I just think he's going to bring great things to Derby. Uh, during that meeting, I'm, I'm probably uh, sharing something I shouldn't. But what the heck? Uh, you know, Backlick, Andrew Backlick, the mayor's chief of staff who played yeah. football in Derby High School, I guess, uh, back in the day, I was kind of asking, I was like, you know, during the meeting, because I didn't know, I, you know, I'm a, a reporter who only has only lived in the, in the Valley for a relatively, I'm only 15 years. So I was like trying to get on deadline. Okay. Tell me a little about Kevin Sharkey. You know, I want to, I ended up not writing the story into just now. Cause I, I got behind, but oh, back was pretty funny. He just wrote back and he was like, this is like, I think during the meeting, he's like, well, he's the second fastest, just know that he's the second fastest guy on the zoom call right now. I guess insinuating that Backlick was faster than him on yeah. the football field, which just it's funny how those things remain so it made me laugh you know andrew yeah. Backer, who's who's leaving he's leaving uh, derby city hall as the mayor's chief yeah. of staff and i, good I really like i really like andrew you know great yeah. guy he's another one who does anything for anybody and he's really you know he's been great for the town and i mean i'm sorry to see him go i really am because i do think that he he gave you you know a hundred percent effort every day in that job. And, you know, I'm going to miss, you know, I'll see him around and that's great, but I'll miss that. He's not involved with the town of Derby because Derby needs him. He's uh, yeah. He's been like a, it's just a reporter, you know, sometimes that role, the chief of staff role in any city uh, that I've covered in like 20 plus years, it can get uh, sometimes that you get some political people in there that are real political and they get yeah. a little extreme in there and they get a little power crazy. And there's sort of the person in the back room who's like the man behind the man. And they, they like love that. And so Backlick never like that. Like just probably no. the least political person I've ever seen in that role. Uh, and was just, you know, so yeah, he, he and I, I you got to credit Mayor Seekin for hiring. He, he brought him yes. in. Yeah. And so uh, anyway, I'm waxing nostalgic about Andrew Backlick. Maybe that's a sign to, uh, I don't edit these. So maybe that's a sign to call it a, a, a night, uh, Mike. But just just uh, let me know, when when's your next show going to air? Who are some upcoming guests? I know you're so organized. You probably have 19 in the can already. Yeah, I'm actually, um, believe it or not, I'm going to interview a guy 
this weekend that I'm really looking forward to. His name is Jay uh, LaPrisa, and he works, he's worked off and on at different TV production companies. And I think right now he's currently at the Yes Network. He does behind the scenes stuff there. And he's he's been doing stuff like this for 30 years. So he's, I think it's important, Eugene, to have people on that do the behind the scenes work because they make it happen. You know, the, the, the talk show hosts and, you know, the shows that people air and stuff like that, they do a great job of, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. But these guys behind the scenes, make sure that everything is right. Everybody's levels are right. Every, the production's right. Everything is, you know, done, you know, efficiently. And I think it's very important to talk to somebody in that. So I'm really looking forward to that interview because, I mean, this guy has worked with so many people behind the scenes and so many people in TV and radio that I think, like, you know, a lot of people are going to enjoy that interview because I think sometimes you have to recognize those people. It's important. Yeah, cool. That sounds awesome, Mike. So anybody watching or listening or whatever I decide to, to do with this, you see his name there on your screen. If you're watching this on video, that's how you can find his YouTube page. It's Mike Kanichi. Last name is spelled C-A-N-N-I-C-I. Yeah, good job. I, I have a mental block against Mike's last name. I spell it wrong all the time. So there it is. C-A-N-N-I-C-I. Don't worry. <laughs> now, me especially. Uh, I don't know why. That was always a uh, just a weird thing I have. It's like a mental, uh, it's like, you know, like a, like a tick, but uh, definitely check out his YouTube page. Uh, He's doing really well. People are watching, you know, I'm amazed at some of the numbers, uh, the number of viewers, you know, into the hundreds on some of those episodes. That's really awesome. So congratulations, Mike. And I guess on behalf of of everybody uh, in Derby and beyond, thanks for all you do for the community. Well, thank you, Eugene. I appreciate that. And thank you for always supporting me. That means a lot. All right, brother. Peace out. Thanks, bud. For hundreds of years, we've brought you the news. For the info, we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. Changing market now threatens our lives.